Okay, good morning, everybody. Let's uh, call this order. <laughs> good morning, everyone. This is a Broward County Board of County Commissioners meeting of Tuesday, December 12th, 2017, and we're going to do the Pledge of Allegiance, if you'd please rise. We'll do Commissioner Udine today. Thank you. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. Thank you. Ladies and gentlemen, it's customer, if you'd please keep standing for just a moment. Sorry about that. Please remain standing. Uh, it's customary that we observe a moment of silence in honor of notable persons in our community who have recently passed. Colleagues, do you have anyone you would wish to recognize? Okay. Let us honor all the brave men and women who have served and continue to serve in the armed forces, both here and abroad, and please keep them in our thoughts. Thank you. Please take your seats. Okay, welcome everyone to the meeting. For those in the audience, please turn off your and or silence your cell phones. If you wish to address the commission about an item on today's agenda, please come forward and fill out a speaker card uh, located on the dais. Once the item comes up, if you've not signed up, you will not be permitted to speak. You will have two minutes to speak, so please keep your comments to the item being discussed. Please refrain from personal attacks or slanderous remarks. If you fail to do so, your microphone will be shut off and you will be removed by security. We ask that those in the audience respect the views of those speaking and refrain from any applause, cheering, booing, or catcalling, and thank you for that. And the music today was uh, selected by Commissioner Barbara Shreef. She selected All I Want for Christmas Is, is You um, by Mariah Carey and The Magic of Christmas Day by Celine Dion. And thank you for the breakfast. All those in favor of wanting Barbara to do breakfast every week? Oh, yes. I say aye. Aye. Thank you. Good idea. We have uh, three proclamations today. The first is to honor Kim Cavendish, the director of the Museum of Discovery and Science, one of my daughter's favorite places. And it will be presented by Commissioner Lamarca. And if you would please make your way to the podium. I think I've said this before, but we get to do proclamations every every week for people in the community that do great things for um, a lot of a lot of areas of our community, uh, but not all the time are they a friend and someone we look up to and thank for their service. And and also in this case, I uh, as a individual resident, uh, I get to serve on the Museum of Discovery and Science uh, Board of Directors, and it's been a, a real privilege. So. Kim uh, gave, gave us the shocking news, I think it was about a year ago, it gave us quite a, quite a while, but it took all, just about all of a year to uh, find a, a, a suitable replacement, uh, or, or so they say, I haven't met him yet, so I'm gonna withhold judgment, but uh, uh, Kim has been uh, a tremendous uh, advocate for our uh, children's museum, our children's science museum, uh, even back when it was over uh, at the river, the New River Inn, New River Inn on the, uh, on the on uh, the New River, and I recall in f maybe not fifth grade, but certainly in in school uh, as, as a youth, remember going there and 
and uh, the King Cromartie House and the other uh, other buildings that are there and uh, and where it is now and what Kim has done with the the Museum of Discovery and Science with the uh, private sector's help and with this commission and some other public partners has been tremendous and if you haven't been there lately uh, it probably helps to bring a young young one so you don't look a little strange doing it but uh, I would definitely recommend going to uh, going to the museum probably after the first quarter of next year when the science park is done and looking forward to it so it's with my privilege to uh, read this proclamation for you, Kim. Whereas Kim Cavendish earned a BA degree from the University of Florida and also attended Duke University and George Washington University, as well as a museum management at the Smithsonian Institution and the University of Colorado. Whereas Kim has led museums since 1981. Since that time, she has served as the chief executive officer of the Orlando Science Center, the Virginia Air and Space Center. I didn't know that. That's cool and our very own Museum of Discovery and Science, along with its forerunner, the Discovery Center. Whereas her tenure at the Museum of Discovery and Science, Kim has spearheaded its growth from its modest beginnings as the Discovery Center to its current position as a major science center with an IMAX theater, which opened in 1992. In 2011, she opened the Eco Discovery Center, a two-story, 34,000-square-foot addition that doubled the museum's exhibit space. That project the first phase of a $35 million capital project earned a leadership in energy and environmental design, LEED, silver certification. And whereas phase two of that project is now underway and includes a renovation of the already completed AutoNation IMAX theater. And incidentally, if you want to go see the Star Wars movie, you might want to corner her on the way out. Uh, the also upgrades and renovations to the 25-year-old facility, as well as a new outdoor science park facing Broward Boulevard, which is scheduled for opening in the spring of 2018. Whereas we recognize her leadership and presence in the museum industry for more than 36 years, Kim was awarded the prestigious Lifetime Award by the Florida Association of Museums in 2013, along with many other awards and accolades, both locally and nationally throughout the years. She has provided her knowledge to the industry through publications on museum marketing, and on managing in fiscal crisis, and through presentations on strategic planning, board development, and financial management. She has served in various capacities on boards in the museum industry, and presently is serving on the board of the Giant Screen Cinema Association, and after, uh, after serving as president for two terms. We're under Kim's leadership in the Museum of Discovery and Science, have contributed significantly to the revitalization of the Arts and Science District in downtown Fort Lauderdale, at this time, the museum regularly serves over 400,000 visitors each year and is the premier destination for school field trips in Broward County. Having served over 10 million visitors, the museum is a far cry from the humble beginnings of the Discovery Center in the historic New River Inn, whereas next year, Kim transitions into a new chapter in her life, spending more time with her daughter and traveling to pursue her interests in preserving wildlife, photography, and cultures around the world. Now, therefore, be it proclaimed by the Board of County Commissioners of Broward County, Florida, the board hereby designates Tuesday, December 12th, all the way to midnight, we got the whole day, as Kim Cavendish Appreciation Day in Broward County and offers its sincere thanks and appreciation for her years of service and recognizes her many contributions to the Museum of Discovery and Science and our community. So. Congratulations. Would you like to say anything? Maybe have a...
I'll just say, I'll say just a couple of words, and that is it has just been my privilege and pleasure to have led this museum in this community for such a long time. Um, I think that science literacy and what we do at the museum is, is increasingly important every day, and I'm very grateful that the county of Broward has always supported our efforts, and I'm sure we'll continue to do so. Thank you very much for this honor. It's much appreciated. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, thank you, Kim, for that, and Commissioner Lamarca, this excellent proclamation. Uh, the next one uh, we're going to we're going to have the next proclamation is acknowledging Florida Medical Center Day, and will be presented to Trey Abshier by Commissioner Holness. And if you would please make your way to the podium. And Trey, if you have staff here from Florida Medical, would you bring them up also? Thank you. Good morning. Florida Medical Center actually is one of, the one of the major employers in my district. In addition to providing great services, uh, they actually help the economy of District 9 in a great way. And this proclamation actually uh, was put in motion uh, by Heidi Richards, uh, my chief administrative uh, staff, because her mother was there. And then my son ended up being there for about 10 days. Uh, and while my son was there, believe it or not, or not my mother was there uh, for two days out of those uh, 10 days that my son was there. And I, I have to tell you that in addition to the things I said about uh, providing uh, an economic uplift for the community and employment, the staff at Florida Medical Center is phenomenal especially your nurses. Uh, they, they were so gracious, so helpful, so well-trained uh, that it helped uh, the pain that we were going through at the time. Uh, so I, I want to go ahead and take the time to just honor you guys for what you do. Thank you so much. And everyone in the medical field, 
uh, ought to be honored uh, because we don't know when we need them until we need them. Huh? And the great work they do to save lives. It's a proclamation requested by Commissioner Dale V.C. Holness, Bra County. And it reads, whereas Florida Medical Center, a campus of North Shore, is a 459-bed acute care hospital that was founded in 1973 and performed the first open-heart surgery in Broward County. And whereas Florida Medical Center is home of the Heart Institute of Florida, a center for cardiac services, which offers a hybrid operation suite, heart valve clinic, electrophysiology, lab and chest pain center. And whereas Florida Medical Center has been named top 10% in the nation in cardiology and is a five-star recipient for the treatment of heart failure. And whereas Florida Medical Center is the first hospital in Florida to achieve full chest pain center with primary PCA and rescue accreditation from the Society of Cardiovascular Patient Care. And whereas Florida Medical Center offers a broad range of other medical and surgical services, is committed to excellent patient care and achieving recognition for deliver, delivering high quality, innovative care. And whereas the Heart Institute of Florida at Florida Medical Center offers a complete range of heart and vascular treatments so community members can get the care they need. And whereas Florida Medical Center achieved recognition as a leader in lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, transgender or questioning LGBT healthcare equality by the Foundation of the Human Rights Campaign, the largest LGBTQ civil rights organization in the United States. Now, therefore, be it proclaimed by the Board of County Commissioners of Broward County, Florida, that the board hereby designates Tuesday, December 12, 2017, as Florida Medical Center Day in Broward County, Florida. Um, again, Trey Apsher, CEO at Florida Medical Center. Just want to say thank you for this opportunity. We're both humbled and honored to uh, be invited to receive such a recognition. It's, it's certainly not not made possible uh, by any one person, but we do have a great group of nurses and physicians that provide excellent care every day. Uh, for those that aren't aware, FMC is located in Oakland in the Turnpike, and as he mentioned, we've been providing care for Broward County for quite some time now and look forward to serving the Broward County community for many years to come, so thank you. Thank you. Gentlemen, you want to do a picture? Okay.
Thank you for that. And the final proclamation is for the Broward County League of Women Voters Gun Safety Committee as presented to Bridette Jespin and Barbara Markley. And this is gonna be presented by Commissioner Sharif. And if y'all can make your way to the podium. Thank you. Thank you, Mayor. This proclamation reads, whereas Broward County's main priority is public safety and protecting the residents who reside here, and whereas gun violence has been increasing throughout the United States in recent years, and events like the Pulse nightclub shooting and the Las Vegas shooting can attest to that. Whereas the firearm homicide rate in the United States is 20 times higher than the combined rates of 22 countries that are considered our peers in wealth and population, and where support for the Second Amendment rights of law-abiding citizens goes hand-in-hand -hand with keeping guns away from dangerous people, and whereas universal background checks for gun sales and a ban on all semi-automatic assault weapons are always that gun violence can be actively prevented. Now, therefore, be it proclaimed by the Board of County Commissioners of Broward County, Florida, that the board hereby designates its support for the Broward County League of Women Voters Gun Safety Committee, signed by our <laughs> illustrious Mayor, Bean Fur. <laughs> Would you like to say a few yeah, words? A couple things. Yeah. Okay. First of all, thank you, commissioners, and thank you particularly fellow league member, Dr. Sharif, um, for working on this. Um, Gun violence is no stranger to Broward County. Um, as recent events last January showed, um, mass shootings not only kill and injure people, there are long-lasting effects to individuals and our community. So there are over 38,000 people that die from gun violence every year in the United States. Some say that there's nothing we can do about that but they are wrong. Countries with strong gun control measures and states now with some strong gun control measures have fewer gun deaths. The statistics are very clear. So the League of Women Voters Coalition to Prevent Gun Violence supports legislation that implements stronger gun control in our state and we appreciate the support of all leaders in what we do and we appreciate very much your support uh, and thank you for the proclamation again, but most of all, we thank you for being the kind of leaders who will stand up and address this problem. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you.
Okay, thank you. And we're going to go on to, I'm going to go ahead and read the Tuesday morning memo. The following requests are submitted for your consideration. Consent items are 1 through 63. Public hearing items are 64 through 71. Regular items are 72 through 86. I request the following withdrawals and inclusion of additional information. Item number two, withdrawn for further staff review. Item number 37, withdrawn for further staff review. Scrivener's errors, item number three, motion E currently reads motion to approve to provide notice of the agreement of sublease as amended and authorize the mayor and clerk to execute same. It should read motion to approve to provide notice of the agreement of sublease as amended. Item number eight, exhibit one, page eight, signature page has been edited to reflect the new county attorney. Item number 41, exhibit two, page two, signature page has been edited to reflect the new county attorney. Item number 74, exhibit two, page five, the fifth and sixth line of section four B currently reads 25% of the net cash flow. It should read 25% of the cash flow. Good catch by the uh, Commissioner Dean on that. Yeah, every once in a while, you, I know. <laughs> I'm going, how did he catch that? Uh, item number 83, motion to approve partial waiver of deed restriction. <laughs> Should be number 84. Additional information. Item number three, motions B and C, additional statement to the summary explanation slash background. The county was not a party to the guarantee of sublease dated November 29th, 1995, entered into between H. Wayne Heisinga and Embraer. Embraer? Embraer. Embraer. Aircraft Corporation as referenced in the mutual termination of sublease agreement, but the county is acknowledging the termination of same. Item number 11, signature pages have been received. Item number 41, signature pages have been received. Item number 72, replacement motions. A, it's going to be A now, da, um, motion to authorize the filing of litigation as approved by the county attorney against pharmaceutical manufacturers and distributors related to the opioid epidemic, and B, motion to provide direction to the county attorney regarding the selection and retention of outside counsel to represent the county in connection with any such litigation. Item number 84, addition of the following language to the end of motion A, quotation marks, provided the projects are built with a 10-year time frame, closed uh, quotation marks. Item number 84, exhibit four, partial waiver of deed restriction from the city of Miramar, signature pages have been received. Item number 84, time certain for 11.30 a.m. And I request without objection, item 73, 74, 76, 77, 78, 80, 83, and 85 be moved to consent. Additional material, the item number 24, proposed ordinance changes submitted by Environmental Protection and Growth Management. Item number 25, member to the board from the Office of Management and Budget. Item number 29, replacement exhibit one submitted by Environmental Production and Growth Management. Item number 32, memo to the board from Finance and Administrative Services Department. Item number 75, memo to the board from Finance and Administrative Services Department. Item number 75, parentheses two, memo to the board from the Finance and Administrative Services Department. And item number 84, 
Replacement Exhibit 6 submitted, submitted by Commissioner Sharif. Are there any polls from the consent agenda? I'm going to start with Commissioner Holness. None? Oh, I'm sorry. Commissioner Geller? Okay. <laughs> okay. Um, Commissioner Lamarca? None. Commissioner Sharif? None. Like this. Keep going. Don't, don't mess it up, Commissioner. Um, for Commissioner Ryan, has to be polled item number 36. Okay. Item, thir item 32 for some brief comments. Okay. 32. Commissioner Rich? None. None. Okay. Okay. And uh, we, have, uh, we have from the public, we have item 17, 34, 19, 43, and 27 pulled from the consent item, from the consent agenda. Um, and no, okay, all right. The new, the new consent agenda item consists of all, all the consent items that were listed on the Tuesday memo, plus the ones I asked to add without objection, minus 17, 19, 27, 32, 34, 36, 43. These are all the ones that were public. Sure. Public, is, public pulled 17, 30, 19, 34, 43 and 27. And then the commissioner pulled 32 and 36. Correct. Okay. Okay. So I have a mo I'll make the motion. Okay. Second. We have a motion and a second. All those in favor? Aye. Any opposed? Let the record show that passes unanimously. Give everybody a moment to, to leave. Yeah, that's it. Thanks. What's that? If you could, on your way out, if you could exit quietly, that'd be that help. We're going to go ahead and start. Uh, we'll start with number 17 and Barbara Weinstein. Barbara? Barbara? Number 17? Barbara, wait just a second. We'll, we'll, I'm going to wait till everybody clears out for just a second, okay? Just tell them to please exit quietly. Bang your gavel. Get they're, your gavel. They're, on, they're on the way out. Thank you. Get these people here. If you all would please exit quietly so we can go ahead and get going, I'd, we'd appreciate it. So Barbara can speak. I just wanted to take a moment to thank the commission for caring about the children of our community Hold on, hold on, Barbara. If y'all could exit quietly, please, so we, we have a speaker speaking. Barbara, I just wanted to thank the commission for caring about the children of our community and help Family Central through a very disastrous situation when the state took over $3 million statewide out of our budgets for early childhood program called HIPPIE, Home Instruction for Parents of Preschool Youngsters. With the help of the county and the Children's Services Council and United Way, we are able to make sure that 82 families that would have been out of care and in the streets will have the services. I am grateful to each and every one of you for your kindness, your concern, and your dedication. 
And on behalf of the children that we serve, I wish you a blessed holiday, a wonderful 2018, and just know that you have, may have saved a child's life. Thank you. Thank you, Barbara, for all you do. Appreciate it. Any other comments? Do I have a motion to approve? Do I have a second? Okay. All those in favor? Aye. Any opposed? Let the record show 17 passes unanimously. We're going to go to item 19. And we have Martin Jensen to speak. I'm just here in case there's any questions. Okay, on 19, okay. And I, uh, any questions from the motion commission? To okay. okay, we have a motion and a second. All those in favor? Aye. Any opposed? That passes unanimously. No Thank questions. You very much. Thank you. Good job. We're going to go to item 27. Russell Rand, we have two minutes. Good morning, Russell. Good morning. Uh, okay. It's a local mitigation strategy. Did anybody actually read this? I actually read it. <laughs> um, there's a whole lot of things in here. There's list critical facilities as uh, city halls, fire rescue, hosp hospitals, police, and all that. It doesn't list critical care facilities, for instance. So you're not prioritizing where the needs are, are most needed. Um, it lists extreme heat as a danger and that heat is a leading killer in the United States in large cities that rarely have heat events. But the vulnerability to the local that's listed as Broward County is it's anticipated that many Casualties will be avoided as many people utilize air-conditioned shelter space made available throughout Broward County. Well, that's a, not a valid assumption, is it? Um, there's an assumption that the uh, salinity gates would stop westward flow of uh, storm surge, and that's just not true, and I've seen there's only a foot difference at high tide in the king tide. So if you, you had a storm at the worst-case scenario, there'd be extensive flooding westward. The uh, document lists the slosh model based on Biscayne Bay. So if you think about South Miami, which is much more voluble, and they ran a computer model, it doesn't really uh, impact. It doesn't show Broward County properly. Um, they did a workshop that had a small uh, tropical storm. So if you do a workshop and it's just a tropical storm, you're not really assessing the worst-case scenario. This document that's written by a bunch of bureaucrats, 313 pages long or so with the addendums and all that, no. No average person could read through all this stuff. No county city employee could read through this and make sense of it. I tried. It's really difficult. Maybe the people who wrote the document could make sense of it. I don't know. Again, the, uh, the biggest problem facing Broward County is a Category 3 major hurricane, which hasn't happened since the 1940s. There would be extensive damage, extensive flooding, etc. Thank, Thank you, Russell. Uh, I'll entertain a motion to approve. Move it. Do I have a second? Second. All those in favor? Aye. Aye. Any opposed? Let the record show that passes unanimously. We're going to go on to item number 32, and this was pulled by Commissioner Udine. Thank you, uh, Mayor. Um, I'm supportive of this, but I just did want to pull it because I thought that this is something that should be mentioned more public than just on the consent agenda. I think that this was a fantastic, very high-level piece of work by our finance department. This is you know, the equivalent of New York investment banking style financial management 
that is going to provide taxpayers um, at a minimum $10 million in savings by doing this. Um, the series tranche A 2010 bonds, the pre-refunding there alone is a $10 million savings. All of this is being was staff generated in response to the federal tax um, law changes that could potentially be coming down the pike. So this will be done on an expedited basis before the end of the year so we can take favorable tax treatment. I, I would just like to say on the B and C tranche, which is more of a um, term of art afterwards, there will be a saving to the taxpayers. But when county finance does this, I think it should also be signed off by the county administrator. And then I think that they should make a report back to us in the beginning of January whether they took advantage of this option or not. But I would defer to finance staff, who I think did an excellent job for the taxpayers of Broward County on this. And I'm going to support this when it comes. Thank you. Commissioner Lamarco, then Commissioner Geller, then Commissioner Bogan. Thank you. Uh, I've had the uh, privilege of serving on and uh, as a co-chair in uh, the last two or three years anyway, chairing the Florida Association of Counties Finance and Tax Administration Committee and then also at the National Association of Counties the Finance, Pension and Intergovernmental Affairs Committee uh, under two chairs for the National Association. And I'm going to uh, one of my last orders of business at the end of this year is to nominate uh, that you get involved in, in either either one of those or both of those uh, because it's it's very Look, we're all watching TV. We're all seeing, you know, what, what's in this tax tax plan, and and I'm sure we can all talk ourselves in or out of something based on what part of something uh, that comes from Washington helps or hurts us. But the two, the the one issue that is extremely important for local governments, and I can make a, a, a point to a conservative or a progressive on this issue, and that is the municipal uh, the tax exempt status of municipal bonds. It goes back to when our tax code was created. It goes, it goes back to uh, the Lincoln presidency. Um, so it goes back a bit. It's, it is our original P3 mechanism, and for that to be even considered to be uh, removed would, would jeopardize the work that we've done, that we will do at the airport, seaport, large projects. Um, Tampa International Airport has already made some changes with respect to uh, what work they can do and what work they are not sure that they're going to be able to get done in their major airport renovations. The other two things that are extremely important uh, is the advance refunding, which allows us allows institutions like ours to go out for refunding on an uh, existing bond. And finally, the private activity bonds, which, which goes really to those large infrastructure projects. These are issues that, um, if anybody is watching this, live or repeated uh, and the folks that are here if you want to do something constructive with our uh, with your time for our federal government reach out to all of all of uh, our members and advocate uh, that these be saved in in the tax plan uh, because they affect all of us and their ability to, to deliver services and build infrastructure thank you commissioner geller my remarks will be considerably shorter because commissioner lamarca just said much of what i was going to um, Thank you, Commissioner. I think. <laughs> I, I think that this is actually a crucial issue, and I hope that the press that's here will pay attention to it. In fact, although they didn't print it, when I wrote this weekend in the South Florida 100, it was on this exact topic because the effect that the current federal tax bill would have on local governments is devastating. 
the advance refunding. I mean, basically, it's just saying if interest rates go down, you can't reissue your bonds at the tax-favored status. That's insane. The effect that it would have on our airport and seaport with the private activity bonds. I mean, there's three categories of bonds that are being particularly affected uh, by the proposed federal tax bill. The effect is devastating on local governments. And I hope that the media does pay some attention because I've seen almost no coverage of that absolutely crucial component. And we do need to be uh, more wary on that. And Commissioner Marka, thank you for your comments and your leadership on that. Commissioner Bogan, then Commissioner Holness. You know, and uh, following up to Commissioner Udine's um, comments on item number 32, I, my eyesight's pretty bad, but I think there's a gentleman sitting straight back from me right now. And uh, I think this county's got a great asset in our CFO, George Tablack, who uh, is really responsible. And I want to th thank him for doing such great work on behalf of the citizens of Broward County. Thank you. Commissioner Holness. I'm compelled to, to thank Commissioner Lamarca. And, you know, we know at times we kid about the partisanship and he's uh, leader of the minority party up here, but his statement just now definitely wasn't partisan. And, and it's great to see that we have people like him on the other side of the aisle. I hope that more of the members of your party in Washington will recognize that it's not about the next election. It's about the people we serve. And thanks to our staff for the stellar work that they do to get us here. And, and, I, and I wish we could do more, uh, but I, I think we're restrained from doing much more. But I know that you have your eyes, County Administrator and, and Mr. Talbeck and the rest of the staff, on what we can do to take preemptive steps to ensure that this doesn't cost our taxpayers much more. Uh, then it's, I hope it doesn't happen. I pray that for our sake and for the people we serve, save, sir, sake. Thank you. And I just, I just want to chime in. I just thought it was a very impressive piece of work and, and a very good insurance policy for, for our commission. I think all of us appreciate uh, you, all, you all looking forward uh, for, for the entire county on this. So thank you. I'll entertain a motion. With that, I'll move, move the item. Okay. I have a motion and a second. All those in favor? Aye. Any opposed? Let the record show that it passes unanimously. We'll go to item 34. Russell Rand, you have two minutes. This is a union contract uh, that gives you a certain uh, structure to uh, working conditions between management and the employees of Broward County. Um, I stand here with a long-standing uh, employee issue. Uh, it basically, nobody ever followed the contract, and it states clearly there should be an arbitration. Uh, no such thing has ever happened. Never had an arbitration settlement day in court, anything. My supervisors did not initiate or participate in any kind of disciplinary or grievance. Nobody was allowed to testify. So if you have a summary rush to judgment and execution, and, uh, and then forestall any appropriate actions that are contained in this document. I'm sure you didn't read it either any more than the disaster plan. But it's similar to the disaster plan. If you pile too much stuff on higher and deeper, 
And if you cherry pick issues and then don't allow people to testify or do anything, then you're not working on a factual basis. And that should be the uh, linchpin and kingpin of, of Broward County government, that uh, truth leads to trust in government. If not, then we have little trust in government. And the issue of sexual harassment and retaliation is white hot in the media today. And I'm a victim of sexual harassment and retaliation, whistleblower. I've been contaminated for 43 years. Um, the HR director initiated false sexual harassment against me and a clerk. Uh, she denied categorically any such thing was going on. This is indicative of a lot of the uh, lies that are misrepresented as, as fake, fake facts in your charging documents and all. Then if nobody ever looks at it and all, you get a bunch of, bunch of stuff against me that I have no ability to work through, much like your disaster plan. I'll probably end up in a nursing home being Russell, I'm going to ask you to stay on point here. You need to stay on point on the contract. On point on the contract. That's the structure that, that, that neither side is engaging in properly. That's the point. Okay. Thank you. I will entertain, entertain a motion on this. Second. Do I, I have a motion and a second. All those in favor? Aye. Any opposed? Seeing none, this, let the record show this passes unanimously. We'll go to item 36. Commissioner Ryan. This item is the uh, motion to award a contract, a fixed contract for uh, the residential sound insulation program at the airport uh, for uh, mitigation, noise mitigation for 112 homes. It's part of a series of homes, uh, 1,200 total, that are uh, eligible for the sound insulation program. Uh, we have a timeline that we're working on uh, because there is in June of 2019 going to be a uh, shutdown of the north runway for several months in order to do an uh, extensive uh, rework, uh, resurfacing of the, uh, the runway. And uh, to the county administrator, do you have somebody here that can speak to that issue? Yes, Mr. Gale, if you can come to the podium. Good morning, Commissioners. Good morning, Good morning Mr. Gale. Good morning. As um, the aviation director, I know that you're keeping a close eye on this residential sound insulation program. Uh, approximately 700 homes have already had that work completed, and there are approximately 500 that are going in groups uh, that will be under construction hopefully within the next 18 months to complete um, all of this work before the closure of the north runway because with that you're going to have extensive traffic on the south runway which uh, adversely impacts uh, a number of homes. So if you could speak to the timeline that you had anticipated this time to... Um, you know, to complete that construction for these homes. Sure, Commissioner. Thank you. And good morning again, everyone. Uh, the, uh, the, the sound insulation program, the noise program at the airport, has two major components to it, the residential sound insulation side of the house as well as the sales assistance and the conveyance release side uh, of, of the house. Uh, as you've mentioned, Commissioner, we do anticipate a, a major closure of the north runway in mid-2019. The runway uh, uh, carried uh, the water, if you will, for, for the airport for several years while the south runway was being constructed. It is in need of a, of a rehabilitation, um, and it was our intent to actually close that runway. We've been working with our stakeholders, all the airlines, air traffic control, uh, in advance, 18 months, 24 months in advance of that estimated uh, closure so that we can get it done as quickly as possible, um, working 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Um, but we do recognize that the traffic will shift to the south runway, and as such, um, some of the residents around the area will see an increase in, in some air traffic and some noise. So it is our, our hope and our anticipation by trying to accelerate the noise program 
get all those that were, uh, were expecting uh, sound insulation as well as their conveyance and release payments out of the way by, by the May-June 19 uh, timeframe. Thank you. With that, I move the item. Thank you. We have a motion and a second. All those in favor, you signify by saying aye. All, any opposed? Let the record show that passes unanimously. We'll go to item 43. And we have Michael Anderson. Michael, you have two, two minutes. Is Michael still here? Okay. And Jack Melnikoff for questions only. Okay. Michael, you have two minutes. Thank you so very much. You're welcome. Good morning. Good morning. Um, yes, I, I was looking at the agenda, and it's uh, stated, was there a, uh, any um, benefit in moving forward in this uh, uh, approving Granicus uh, extension? I would like to say, first of all, uh, Granicus, I think, is a very good company, a very powerful company. And in my assessment, I think too powerful for some users because you become or uh, the administration become uh, contractors, uh, independent contractors uh, of the company. And that company is very powerful. Um, it has the ability to upload information onto Google. It also has the ability to remove information off of Google. And uh, the other thing is that I believe that even the citizens should know what the legal agreement between Granicus and its contractors. It states no abuse, uh, no infringement on individuals, uh, et cetera, et cetera. And since I'm rushing for time, for instance, this has Google and my name, all fraudulent documents, I mean, different searches, and uh, using the, uh, Google, uh, they were able to even uh, upload a decision written by an attorney onto a federal website. And here's the script that was used to do that, and again, all of these, and this is just a few pages, more than a few, but I have so many more. Thank, Thank you, you so much. Thank you, Michael. We have Jack Melnikoff here for questions only. Does anybody have any questions for Granicus? If not, I'll entertain a motion. I have a motion and a second. Motion just a quick comment. I mean, like speak on the, the, <clears throat> the features and access that we've, when we, Commissioner Wexler, previous commissioner and myself, move this issue forward to do video and then be able to have archives on, on the web. Um, this, for, for me, this product's been great because sometimes you're out of town and you're calling into a meeting to go back and review something. It's a, to me, it's been a great product and, and for us to be able to <clears throat> get right to an item that we want to look back at, agenda item or that type of thing, I, I just I think it's a, a great asset for the taxpayers and residents of Broward County to be able to keep an eye on what's going on if they can't tune in right now. Thank you. Anyone else? Okay, we have a motion and a second. All those in favor, signify by saying aye. Aye. All those opposed, let the record show that passes unanimously. We're now going to go to the public hearing. Um, item 64, that, that finishes the consent uh, items. Uh, item 64 is a motion to adopt some supplemental budget resolution. First of all, let me open the public hearing. 
this is a motion to adopt supplemental budget resolution within the general fund in the amount of $63,119,816 for prior year carryovers and other commitments. Is there anyone in the audience that would wish to speak on this? Seeing none, I'll entertain a motion. I have a motion and a second. All those signify by saying aye. In favor? Any opposed? Let the record show that passes unanimously. We'll go to item 65. I'd like to open up the public hearing. This is a motion to adopt supplemental budget resolution within the special purpose funds and trust funds. All those in favor of, oh, any, I gotta see if there's anybody in the public that wants to speak to this. Anybody want, what, yeah, I'm trying to move this along. It's gonna be a long day. Uh, all those in favor, uh, no, not that. Is there anyone in the public who would like to speak to this? Seeing none, uh, I'll entertain, we have a motion. We have a motion and a second. All those in favor? Aye. Aye. Any, any opposed? Let the record show that passes unanimously. unanimously. We'll go to item 66. I'd like to open up the public hearing. You want to speak to this? On 66? Okay. Uh, this is a motion to adopt the supplemental budget resolution within the special revenue fund in the, in the amount of $4,668,000. $249, primarily to reappropriate funds for prior year commitments. Is there anyone in the audience who would like to speak to this? Seeing none, I'll entertain a motion. Second. If we had a motion, I'm sorry. Uh, Mayor, just to make a statement, I serve on the Board of Trustees of the Museum of Discovery and Science, which would receive some funding uh, under item number 66. Do not receive any compensation for serving on that board. Therefore, I have no actual statutory voting conflict. However, to avoid the appearance of a conflict, I am abstaining on item 66 and ask that that be reflected in the minutes, and I won't leave the dais. Okay. I'll entertain a motion. Motion. Okay. I have a motion and a second. All those in favor say aye. Aye. Any opposed? Let the record show that passes 8 to 0 with an, an abstention by Commissioner Lamarca. We're on item 67. Uh, I'd like to open up the public hearing. This is a motion to adopt the supplemental budget resolution with the, within the capital fund in the amount of $2,885,000. Is there anyone in the public that would like to speak to this? Seeing none, we have a motion, we have a, a second. All those in favor? Aye. Any opposed? Let the record show that passes unanimously. We'll go to item 68. I'd like to open up the public hearing. This is a motion to adopt Supplemental budget resolution within the enterprise funds in the amount of $6,221,682, primarily to reappropriate funds for prior year commitments. Um, is there anyone in the audience who would like to speak to this? Seeing none, I'll entertain a motion. Second. I have a motion and a second. All those in favor? Aye. Any opposed? That passes unanimously. And item number 69, I'd like to open up the public hearing. This is a motion to adopt supplemental budget resolution within the internal service funds in the amount of $1,171,462, primarily to reappropriate funds for prior year commitments. Is there any, anyone in the audience that would like to speak to this? Seeing none, I'll entertain a motion. Second. We have a motion and a second. All those signify by saying aye. aye. Any opposed? That passes unanimously. We'll go to number 70. I'll open up the public hearing. This is a motion to adopt a resolution to vacate the right-of-way lying within a portrait of Tract A of the FF Minione Platt located at 1600 West Sample Road in Pompano Beach at no cost to the county. Does anyone like to speak to that? I have no, I have no polls. Uh, I'll entertain a motion. Motion to approve. 
I have, a, I have a motion and a second. All those in favor? Aye. Any opposed? That passes unanimously. And we have on 71, this is being requested to be withdrawn. Is that what I understand? Uh, yes, sir. But I believe that the applicant may have pulled the item for questions only. Okay. And, and because of that, uh, if there are no questions, uh, I think that the appropriate motion by the board would be uh, in order to avoid any denial of rights, a, a motion to defer indefinitely. Okay, I'll entertain that motion. I'll make a motion to defer indefinitely. Thank second. you. We have a motion and a second to defer. And all those in favor, say yes. Say aye. Aye. <laughs> uh, any opposed? Oh. That passes unanimously. Okay, we are now off, oh, yeah. off and running to 72. On this one? Oh, on the next one? Okay. Okay, 72 is a motion to provide direction to the county attorney regarding potential litigation. And I would like the county attorney to, to frame this if they would. Yes, sir. Uh, the item uh, pursuant to the Tuesday morning memo has been bifurcated. So part A in the first decision for the board is to uh, determine whether the county should initiate litigation uh, in relation to the opioid epidemic. Uh, the, the second item, which is Part B, which is only relevant if you vote yes on Part A, would be to provide direction uh, to the county attorney in terms of selection and retention of outside litigation counsel. I can address any specific questions uh, when they come up. Okay, we have a number of speakers on this. Commissioner Bogan, do you need I'm to? Being, you're going, oh, you're going to wait till B to do that. Okay. And you, okay, we're going to take. The, we're going to bifurcate this. We're going to take A first, and the first uh, commissioner on, to speak to this will be Commissioner Ryan, then Commissioner Shreve, then Commissioner Geller. Commissioner Ryan, uh, to the county attorney, uh, you spoke about uh, the initial um, matter for consideration is whether to even engage in the litigation. Um, what do you expect to uh, accomplish with regard to uh, compensation? What are what are the issues that are out there um, that that are compensable? Uh, what type of damages have you know has this community suffered that you expect to uh, receive an award in litigation? Uh, that's a, a very complex question. There are a lot of different potential elements of damage. Uh, the county has been damaged as an employer, as an insurer, and as a service provider. Uh, there are different theories that can be pursued to try to recover financial damages uh, in connection with all of those losses. It's difficult to quantify the extent of those losses, uh, but there are also non-monetary benefits that are available, uh, and I'll call them quasi-monetary benefits, funds that could be set up for education and treatment, uh, injunctive relief is available. Th there is a lot of potential upside that is difficult to quantify in terms of uh, direct financial benefits, uh, but we believe that uh, when you're making this decision, you consider the upside and the downside. We believe that it could be structured in a way that the financial downside is relatively limited. Are there a number of, of governmental entities that have already uh, initiated litigation uh, against pharmaceutical companies uh, regarding the opiate crisis? So um, what benefits do we receive by uh, moving as quickly as possible uh, to determine whether we're going to engage in litigation and then ultimately uh, what firms we might hire and how we will retain those firms. What's the, what's the benefit if we get into the litigation early? Uh, unless we're able to keep uh, our case in state court, uh, our claims will probably be folded into the multi-district litigation 
that will be pending uh, for all pretrial purposes in the Northern District of Ohio Federal Court. Uh, there are certain advantages to getting involved early, including potentially having uh, the legal team that we represent being involved in leadership or sort of the steering uh, of the multi-district litigation. So I, I don't see a lot of advantages to delaying. Uh, there's no guarantee that the firm or, or team that we select, if the county decides to go forward, will wind up in leadership. Uh, the only way to guarantee that uh, your counsel will be on leadership is to wait until the court determines which firms will, will lead, and then you select one of those firms. Uh, there are disadvantages to waiting as well. So we, we, we think that uh, given that the federal court is, is likely to rule uh, on leadership and related issues in uh, early to mid to late January, we think we should be in a position to uh, select counsel if the county decides to pursue this litigation. So if it's that basis that you, you want to look for this direction as quickly as possible? Yes, sir. All right, thank you. Commissioner Sharif, then Commissioner Gallagher. Thank you. Um, uh, county Attorney, I just wanted to know, um, in terms of the fentanyl use and the, the opioid issue, um, aren't there costs to the medical examiner's office uh, for having to do the autopsies on these pe people that are overdosing? In addition to that, um, wouldn't there be some uh, portion of this that uh, we could claim based on the indigent care funding that's being utilized to treat the ones that are addicted or the ones that have um, succumbed and used services at our hospital districts? Uh, yes, Commissioner. Our, our claims, I can assure you, will be broad. That would include uh, elements uh, based upon what you just stated. Uh, there are certain theories that uh, the defendants can use to try to defeat those claims. Uh, we're aware of them and we've analyzed them, but certainly we would be asserting those claims. Okay. Thank you. Commissioner Gillen. Uh, thank you, Mr. Chair. Um, Drew, um, a concern or question, Senator, how are you? Okay, that I have is um, the wording of motion A, which is kind of abstract. Um, I would certainly be supportive of initiating, authorizing the county to initiate litigation, but only if I had confidence that a retainer agreement would be signed that would hold the county harmless. Now, the retainer agreements that I have seen contain that language, that the costs would be paid by plaintiff's firms, things of that nature. So when we do vote, can, in your opinion, uh, can we uh, vote for uh, A, with a provision in it that the contract be entered into that would be substantially similar to some of the contracts you've shown us, that the costs would be borne by council and that there would be some sort of hold harmless language that the county would not be held responsible. Uh, yes, sir, with, with a caveat. We would expect to enter into a contract consistent with the terms that are stated in the agenda item and a previous memo that we provided to the board However, we cannot fully insulate the county from uh, potential cost and fee shifting that might be out there if we wind up in federal court and uh, we think we can limit that exposure so that there's not a lot of significant downside. But yes, we, we would intend to enter into a contract that contained terms at least as favorable as what we've stated in the agenda item. Mr. Chair, if there, when there are no more questions, I'd like to make a motion on that. Okay. Commissioner Lamarck, did you want to speak to this? Thank you, Mayor. Um, this, you know, when we're talking about getting into a, 
um, litigation like this, the first, first thing that comes to my mind is that costly litigation affects every resident in the state of Florida to the tune of about $3,000. Um, however, this, uh, this has merit and this is, this is an issue that um, if the facts play out as, as, we, as we understand, uh, people who have been aware of information that uh, these opioids that were prescribed as non-addicting, uh, prescribed very freely for everything from a root canal to a to a minor surgery, uh, not just for three to five to seven days in recovery, but two weeks, a month, three months, um, are, tremend are tremendously addicting and, and killing our community. We're, we're losing, I think 57,000 people uh, is, is a number for this year. Uh, if you go back and study the wars that this country has been in, it's not even close. Uh, the dismantling of families, the, uh, the death and destruction, and if someone knew about this, they should pay more than dearly. Um, they should pay financially, they should pay criminally. Uh, the, the bottom line is that this does have a direct fiscal impact on our community. It has a direct fiscal impact on our medical examiner who is uh, preeminent in, this, in, in dealing with this. Uh, however, uh, whether it's cost of uh, Narcan or, or the services of our first responders, uh, they can't put your house fire out or save you uh, when you're having a heart attack if they're going back and forth to some patients three and four times in a day um, who go back and do the same thing. Uh, it's, it's unfortunate, but it, I guess the only positive from this is if this is eradicated and there's something to replace it uh, that, that uh, is not addicting. Uh, the only other thing that I can say that's positive this whole thing is it, it will be probably the incident for this country that allows people to understand that uh, this is an addiction, uh, it's a disease, it's not something that someone else's family got involved with or some other kid got involved with, um, but it is, it's killing people and it's costing upwards of $800 billion to a trillion dollars nationally. So it definitely has a fiscal impact. Anyone else like to speak to this? Just briefly. Um, thank you. Um, I, I agree with what Dr. Sharif had mentioned before. Um, there is definitely a, and, and the others, there is definitely a specific monetary value that we'll be able to fashion as what this is costing in, in hard dollars from our service providers and the county in general. I'm supportive of A, in bringing the litigation. Um, I'm, I'm not as concerned with the cost and fee shifting because as this and, and I think it will be covered by your office when you when you do the contract. But as this moves through the process, I'm less and less concerned with what our potential outcome is will be. I think this is going to be extremely successful litigation nationwide as we move forward with this. Some of the studies that I've seen when, when we talk about the health issues, there are legitimate studies out there that are saying that this is capping the overall growth rate of the United States economy and, and limiting it just because of this specific addiction problem on a nationwide basis. And I, I think there's real merit to that, those studies that I'm reading that are saying that. I mean, there was just one the other day that we saw on the news that said people are afraid to get Christmas presents for some people now because there is a whole new black market of gift card fraud that's hurting the retail establishments. Some, you know, you don't want to give somebody money 
or, or something. They'll go in, shoplift a, a, something from a retail establishment, return it, and get a gift card, and turn that into a, a, a method of pursuing and buying the opioid. So I, I'm very much in favor of option A, and I think Broward County, based on our progressive nature of the county, based on the size of the county, and based on where we're located, I think we become a positive and very strong leader in any kind of future litigation to do this sooner rather than later. So when the time comes and a motion's made, I'm very supportive of option A. Thank you. Commissioner Rich. Thank you, Mr. Mayor. Um, I think um, that our, our county attorney and his colleagues have uh, really extensively analyzed uh, the, the proposed litigation, looking at uh, the, um, the certainly focusing on the attempt to limit uh, the, financial, the financial downside of it. Um, and I think that there are really significant financial recoveries. When I look at this, I look at it really the human toll. Uh, when, when we look at, and even in our background information here where we're, we have a, our medical examiner estimating that in 2017 in Broward County alone, the number of overdose deaths involving opioids might exceed 1,000. Uh, we look at the, the, it's just an immense human toll and I think that um, this is the best way to try and address uh, that and uh, the, the financial impacts that it's having on local governments, uh, particularly here in South Florida. Um, so I am certainly in favor of, uh, of, of A and um, moving ahead and as quickly as possible because I agree that, I mean, it, whatever shot we can possibly take to be a part of the national and get involved with whoever whichever legal team is going to be selected or um, and hopefully we'll pick the right one if not we'll still be in in the, in the game but I just think it's important to move ahead uh, some of our colleagues in the north and south of us are not quite where we are uh, so I, I feel we need to just continue moving this forward Commissioner Keller would you like to make a motion yes mr. mayor uh, thank you I'd like to move to authorize the county attorney to file litigation to authorize the county attorney to use his discretion as to whether that is against the litigation, is against the manufacturers, the distributors, or both. And finally, to uh, authorize the county attorney, and I'm sure if, with this provision, we'll be able to get them to agree that uh, to direct the county attorney to enter into contracts with. Um, and this is, I guess, we'll get to who they are and be, but to authorize the county attorney that as part of the uh, filing of litigation that he um, reach an agreement with whatever team that would uh, direct that the fee arrangement be substantially similar to that, uh, those documents that he has previously shared with the commission which provide for the, uh, this to be on a contingent fee basis with the law firms bearing the financial risk. Before I take a second, I'm going to listen to County Attorney for just I, I just wanted to make sure that Senator Geller's motion didn't cross over and include any elements that would be in motion B only because I believe they're. Uh, I think he's right. cut it okay, short. Okay, just make it. Okay, okay I'll, I'll take a second on this. I'll take a second. Okay, we have a motion and a second. Would, it, would you like to speak to this motion? Okay, Commissioner Rich. 
I just, th there's only one thing I, I, that I think Senator Geller said, which I would disagree with and hope you would allow it to be changed, is not to leave it up to the option of our county attorney about whether or not it should be manufacturers and distributors, manufacturers or distributors. I think it should be both, period. With, we, we have to look at both of those. Those are critical pieces of you know, the effort of trying to Mr. Mayor, is it okay uh, in response to Commissioner Rich if I ask the county attorney's view on, as to whether he's reached that decision yet? If he has, I'm fine with it. If he hasn't, and if he thinks that it's better for one or the other, I'd prefer to leave that discretion, but I'd like to ask the county attorney's view. Could we, put, could we just put and or, and you have both? Would that work? That kind of, that kind of takes into consideration. Or? It does the job, right? I think so. Yes. Sure, County Attorney, go ahead and answer, answer please. The question? I suspect that the litigation would include both manufacturers and distributors. However, we are continuing to analyze this. It's a very fluid situation, and I would like to have the discretion uh, to uh, bring action against potentially one and not both with the availability of a subsequent amendment to add uh, manufacturers or distributors if we decided to pursue only one initially. I do believe the the odds are very high that the initial filing would cover both, however. Okay. Thank you. Okay. Yeah. Commissioner Bogan. You may want to add and or, yeah. as, as, so, as the mayor just said, right. as well as any other party that's deemed responsible because there may be other parties besides a manufacturer and distributor. So I would give the authority to the council to allow them to do it to any party they deem advisable. Commissioner, would you uh, allow that as a friendly amendment? My motion was just to try and give the county attorney the discretion as he does his research to sue whichever parties he deems appropriate, which is exactly what Commissioner Brogan okay. just said. Is everybody clear with the motion? Okay, all those in favor? Aye. Any opposed? Let the record show that passes you. That is part A, that passes unanimously. We'll now go to part B, which is a motion to provide direction to the county. Mayor. Mr. Mayor. Sure. Um, yes. I believe uh, there's a question about that uh, Commissioner Geller made the motion, but he also seconded the motion. She didn't have No, we had, we had to, seconds over here. Sorry. She didn't hear that. Sorry. Oh, I'm sorry. Okay. Clarify. Okay. You okay? Okay. Um, so that passes unanimously. We're going to uh, Section B on 72, and this is a motion to provide direction to the county attorney uh, regarding the selection and retention of outside counsel. And you need to... Commissioner Bogan. This is my first time in three years doing this. So um, I'm, I'm reading this. It says, um, I do business with law firms that may contract with one or more of the law firms being considered for this litigation. I do not receive any compensation from any of the law firms that are being considered at issue. Therefore, uh, I have no actual statutory voting conflict. However, to avoid the appearance of a conflict, I'm abstaining on motion B of item 72 and ask that this be reflected in the minutes. Thank you. Okay. Commissioner Ryan. On part B of this motion with regard to uh, the authority to select uh, specific law firms that would represent the county, as I understand this, um, the choice is either to give complete discretion to the county attorney's office to determine which lawyer, which law firm or group of firms may best represent the interest of the county or for the, um, the county attorney to shortlist 
uh, qualified firms and then bring that information to the to the board for deliberation. Is that as you understand this motion, County Attorney? Yes. All right. Do you have a, a personal preference? Uh, <laughs> I, I don't have a, uh, a strong preference either way. It's it's the board's decision how to uh, act and and what authority to bestow upon me and my office. I will tell you that we have very carefully vetted twelve large uh, litigation teams, not firms, but teams. Every team involved multiple firms. Uh, th three firms were vetted yesterday, one of which I may circle back uh, with. If anyone would like to have involvement in the process, that's certainly the board's prerogative. I I'm not sure what it is, uh, aside from adding your just general good judgment, uh, that the board uh, could add to the vetting process that we haven't already substantially done. Well, we probably have more lawyers on this dais than we've had in some years. So I, I think there would be some value added by um, a review of qualified firms, but I believe 12 would be too many to bring before us. Um, could we have uh, perhaps a, a top four or a top five that uh, we could have present and, and make a determination from there? That, that would seem to me to allow us to have appropriate input from the dais, but at the same time, um, not overwhelm us with with so many law firms that it's difficult to make you know a um, uh, an informed decision. We we could handle this any way the board would like. I, I would like the board to be aware of one fact, however, that while the proposals were based upon certain fixed teams, a number of the teams have also indicated that they are flexible and they are willing to uh, align themselves for purposes of this litigation uh, with members of other teams. So. Uh, it, it, that's something that we're continuing to vet and, and, and sort through. Uh, but whatever the board would like to do, we certainly can prepare the item and either make the decision if we're authorized or bring something back to the board by January 9. Well, we, we had some discussion about compensation, and uh, I believe they'll all be working on a contingency fee, and uh, Commissioner Geller brought up the, the concern about um, protection and indemnification against any cost advanced by the firms. So. If firms kind of partner up to represent the county, then this will not change the contingency fee relationship. It will be shared among however many firms join together. Yes. All right. So um, I'd like to hear from the board members, but I would suggest that we, we let the county attorney uh, come up with the top five list that can then be presented here, and we'll make a decision on, uh, on who would represent the county. Commissioner uh, Geller. Then Commissioner Udine, then Commissioner Holness. Thank you, Mr. Mayor. I primarily agree with Commissioner Ryan's remarks. Um, yeah. you know, I've been practicing law for 35 years. I think I have a pretty good ability to evaluate law firms. Um, I don't necessarily know what should be the top five versus the top four or what that number should be. I know I agree I don't want it to be the top 12. But I know Commissioner Udine has practiced law for many years. Commissioner Bogan has been a litigator, although he has now recused himself. So there are a lot of attorneys here. I think if the commission should have some uh, ability to make a final decision on a matter this important, and like I said I know there are those of us that have been practicing law on this commission. I think all of, four of us have been practicing for 
at least 25 or 30 years. 30 so, years. so 35. So uh, I think that uh, the commission should um, uh, have the ability after the county attorney has vetted a number. I am very flexible whether that's the top three, four, five. I do not think it should be the top 12. But I, I would like to see a short list come to this commission. Commissioner Udine. Um, so our procurement code defers this out of our hands and out of procurement's hands, specifically back to the county attorney, for the county attorney to make this type of decision. Um, so I, I give that some deference because I think that it's there for a reason. And, um, you know, we're, we're a, we like to say we're a $6 billion corporation and, and Drew is the chief legal officer of a 65 or 60, 70 person law department of this corporation. And I think that a lot of what I'm gonna rely on here, because even though I've been a practicing attorney, I've ne I have zero experience picking multi-district uh, litigation major counsel that are gonna do this uh, on a nationwide basis. I just don't do that in my, in my <clears throat> every day-to-day -day thing. But I think that um, I think that I, I'm going to give a tremendous amount of deference to the county attorney here uh, as to the way to do this. I also think that there is a, there's a large benefit. You know, these nine major firms that are there have each have a component of local representation, minority representation in there. Uh, there are small firms that have hooked on to big firms. But this is the type of thing that requires major, major law firms to do this, especially when you're going to talk about fee shifting and cost shifting, where the law firm is going to kind of hold us harmless at the end of the day. So, and I think that this will be changing between now and January, up, up till whenever we would get these presentations. You could have all nine of these submittals become one by, the, by that time with the amount of dollars that are going to be involved in this. Um, and I'm kind of exaggerating that point a little bit. But I have no problem with Drew bringing us back, you know, two or three of the tops. Um, I, I really don't see where presentations from five or six law firms is going to make a whole heck of a lot of difference to me. I'm going to rely a lot on what Drew says on this as the chief legal officer of the county. I think that's his role. I think that that's what he's responsible for. And I, I think it's important. I would also say, even though none of this would be covered by the procurement code, if this is the way where we're going to get presentations from any amount, and I'm hoping it's not up to five. I mean, I would agree if there wants to be a couple. I think we should tentatively follow some of the rules of our procurement code and put a cone of silence on the nine of us so that this would all go through the county attorney's office. And the county attorney would be the one that would provide the information on this. I just don't see where it's good business to have the nine of us or eight of us now. This is so far above our breadbasket, respectfully to all of us. I'm an attorney for 30 years. This is way above me. Um, so I'm, I'm going I'm to leave this for Drew and go from there. I would support what Commissioner Ryan said if it was limited to maybe the top two or the top three. But uh, besides that, I would leave it to Drew. Commissioner Holness, then Commissioner Rich. Yeah, I'm in agreement with you, Commissioner Udine. Uh, and, and, and here's my reasoning. One, 
as our county attorney just told us, there's still some flexibility in the formation of these teams. For us to then say, well, this firm would do better here with this firm to best represent us and, 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 and then select a team, it, we, we can't do it from here. Uh, it's best that it be done through his office. He's the expert. When we come with preset teams, we're going to have to vote up or down those teams. He can pull them together and says, okay, we think you match best over here to best represent the people of Broward County in this issue. Uh, the other issue is timing for us to come back. It, it, it appears that we need to move forthwith on this. So therefore, I want no time to be lost uh, in this effort uh, for us to make this selection. So I, 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 I'm gonna leave it to, I'm gonna vote for uh, our county attorney to make that decision. We will have a vote when it comes to us as to whether or not we disagree with him on the selection. We can do that then, but for us to then try to make soup up here doesn't make any sense to me at all. Commissioner Rich. Um, well, I, I feel the same way as the last two speakers, my colleagues, uh, Commissioner Homeless and, and you, Dean. I, and uh, um, I'm not a lawyer. So uh, I uh, rely heavily uh, on our county attorney, our previous county attorney, our current county attorney. Um, they're hired by us uh, to uh, really do this research, to come to us with uh, their, their best judgment. And I understand that many of you are attorneys on, on here, but it's not the same, I think, as you, can, you have experience and you can share your views. But I think it's very important that this, this, that this, is, uh, this whole thing is centered in the county attorney's office. And I, I know there is no RFP, but I feel very strongly about this, that um, we need to institute a cone of silence around this. Um, otherwise, I mean, we will all be in the midst of this. And I, I don't think that that's correct. Uh, I think that uh, the person that has the, um, the, the deference should go to the county, the county attorney's office and um, that we can you know, voice our opinions and so forth, but really it needs to, it needs to reside there, the, the, the decision. So, um, and I do agree that I think five is way too many coming back here. Um, I think three would be maximum uh, coming back here. Uh, otherwise, I mean, it's, it's really, you know, kind of, it's, it's a free for all. And I, I, I think just very strongly that we, that we need to, as I said, go with, go with the county attorney uh, and coming back with his recommendations and also placing a cone of silence on us. Governor, go back around and recognize Commissioner Ryan. Based upon the comments of my colleagues, uh, I will move that um, Drew have the discretion to um, choose, in his view, the top three law firms that will then uh, be presented and uh, whether or not this commission wants to get live presentations or simply uh, written material as backup. Uh, I personally would prefer to see uh, some live presentation of the top three um, and that um, you, county, attorney, county attorney's office, be directed to um, complete your um, um, selection of the top three and present it to, our, to us at our first meeting in January. Uh, with respect to the cone of silence, it's my understanding that um, a contract for legal services 
uh, the cone of silence does not apply. Is that correct? We, we also haven't initiated a formal solicitation, so there is no cone in effect, but what, what we would, uh, based upon what we're hearing from the board, uh, perhaps we would send out a letter today letting all the interested firms know that we're imposing a, a voluntary <laughs> cone of silence and, and asking that they comply with it, and obviously if they don't, then that's evidence of something. Right. With that, I, may, I move to um, um, have the county attorney have the discretion to select three law firms that will be presented uh, to us at the first January meeting. Second. May we have a motion and a second. Commissioner, I'm going to recognize the county attorney first, then Commissioner Geller, then Commissioner Holmes. Thank you, Mayor. Uh, it may make sense if the board is so inclined to give us the authority to go to three or four firms. We're looking for a natural natural breaking point, and we're, we're still not sure. And, and by the way, I've, I've misused the terminology as well. Uh, Commissioner Ryan, your motion talked about firms. I just want to make sure everyone's clear. We would bring back teams which are comprised of multiple firms. Then let me, let me restate the motion. Um, up to four teams of attorneys to be presented. Okay, and these, does and the second, second, second? I'll second that. Okay, the Mayor. second recognizes that. Commissioner Geller. Um, thank you, Ms. Mayor. Two things. First, based on prior discussions with the county attorney, I was going to suggest what I think we may have just done, that there may be a natural break point at three or maybe at four. So I was going to authorize the county attorney to do that. But I think that that is what Commissioner Ryan's motion does. And I would like some clarification on cone of silence. I'm fine with one. I'm fine with not having one. I don't, I can go either way. I just, if I would like to know before we vote what it is exactly that we're voting on in reference to that cone of silence. County Attorney, then Commissioner Holmes. Yes, uh, two things, Mayor. Uh, the second point I'll, I'll address is the cone of silence. The first one, would it be part of the board's motion that prior to bringing these teams back, that we have already vetted the financial terms that we've proposed in the agenda item yes. to make sure that the team, so we're not going to bring anyone back who's not accepting of those terms. Yes. Uh, first. Secondly, with regard to the cone of silence, uh, it, it seems as though it can either be uh, the, the standard cone of silence, uh, which is more or less a unilateral, uh, a one-sided, one-way cone of silence, or it, it could be what you do as a direct procurement authority, which is to have a two-way Cone of silence. That's your call. It, it's. I, I think it would be just a voluntary cone of silence here uh, because we haven't uh, proceeded under. And I, I could look at that. I'm not prepared to give you a final answer. But we would send out the strongest letter possible. If it's something we could impose as a matter of right, we would do that. Otherwise, we would just ask the firms to please respect the board's decision and not to have those communications. Okay. Well, so just because again, I'm just trying to clarify. So what you're suggesting is that right now it would be the what you will be seeking is a one-way cone of silence. That's, is that correct? That, that's your call. That's uh, we could we could ask. I mean, it's. I'm inclined to yeah. follow your recommendation. I just want to know what it is we're voting on. Well, it's uh, if it's a if it's a two-way cone of silence as it is as a direct procurement authority then that precludes you from also engaging in these communications with, with firms. Uh, if it's one way, then you can ask questions if you have questions, but they cannot approach you. I mean, that's the essential distinction. Can I ask a, 
point of clarification. Sure, if Shreve. we just made a two-way cone of silence and left it at that, once you brought back the um, final list of the four or three, whoever it is, we could just, um, at that point, you could lift the cone of silence and we would be allowed to ask questions. Can we just do it like that and then we can like move on with this? Is there general agreement on this? Okay, everybody's, okay. everybody's seems to be okay with the two-way. Two-way cone Go of ahead. silence. Commissioner Holness? I'm fine with the two-way cone of silence. Okay. But, but my question is this. When the teams are selected, are they going to be ranked one, two, three? No? Okay. So, so there's not going to be any ranking. And, and, and so that's one issue there. And, and it goes back to what I said earlier, that if we allow our attorney to make the selection and put a team together, one team, I think it's better suited for him to do it. So I'm not going to be supporting uh, this motion uh, to do it where, where it comes back to us and, and with no ranking. Uh, and, and then we, we have to, again, uh, figure out how to make soup from here now. Commissioner Udine. I, I agree. And I think, that, I think that Drew, as the county attorney, this is his responsibility to bring this. That's the way our procurement code works with this. This is his, and the reason that it's his responsibility is because normal litigation is the, is the county attorney's job. This would be his job to do this. He would be the one fighting in the trenches on behalf of us. This is obviously such high stakes that this is something where we need an outside expert in this litigation. So that's why we're deferring that to Drew. But real, in reality, and the way this would work in the business world, is Drew is still responsible for this. If five years down the pike there comes back and there's a judgment against Broward County for something because of this litigation for X number of million dollars, it, it's not on us and the county commission. It's on Drew as the chief legal attorney. That's the risk that he takes when he does this. And I want to give him the tools so that he can say, this is who I thought was the best team to represent Broward County. And, and I think that that's his purview. I'm okay with ranking them, but I don't know. We can have presentations till we're blue in the face by these law firms. The, all these presentations are going to be phenomenal because that's what they do when they make them. It, it really doesn't matter. You have experts. You have attorneys from that, that are in his office from major litigation firms around the country that now work for Broward County. They're the ones that need to have a lot of say in this. I want to see the contract come back so we can vote on it, and I want to make sure that when that contract comes back, there is some local participation, there is some minority participation, if that's what you determine to be best. But this team should be his responsibility because it's his risk. And five years from now, he's going to be the one that's going to have to answer. Commissioner Keller. Then Commissioner Rich. Wait, is it uh, possible to our time certain? Time certains mean at 11.30, anything after 11.30. Doesn't mean, has, doesn't mean it has to be at 11.30. Well, uh, at 11 30. And I'm going to try to wrap this up as fast can as I can. Can they wrap it up? Okay. That contradicts what the motion that Commissioner Ryan made that I right. thought Commissioner Udine was in favor of. I, I support Commissioner Ryan's motion. By the way, in reference to the cone of silence, I, I, you should clarify that that's as soon as you notify them. Which so like noon tomorrow or whatever, but but I would like this commission. I agree with Commissioner Ryan. I think that 
we are at, and I think that there's a clear disagreement here on the dais. But my view is I would agree with Commissioner Ryan that I would ask that Drew bring us back a short list of whether it's three or four at his discretion and this commission them decide from them. I, I don't know that we need oral presentations because we'll, they'll all be wonderful. I want to carefully review all of the presentations. I will certainly speak with Drew after I read those, but I agree with Commissioner Ryan on the motion that's made and seconded that this commission on something this important be the one that reached the ultimate decision from the three or four non-ranked teams that Drew brings us. So that's okay. my view. I'm, I'm going to have Commissioner Rich speak on this, and then I think we need to vote because okay. we're going to have yeah. a, we're going to need you. to decide whether or not we are shortlisting this, and or we're going to allow Drew okay. to determine this. Commissioner Rich. Okay. So, I, I said before that I, I wanted to give deference to the county attorney. So, at a minimum, <laughs> I believe that he needs to come bring them in with a with a ranking. Otherwise, okay. it is a free-for-all up okay. here, and I, 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 that is wrong in my opinion. So I would like to make a motion that to add to the, to, to the, uh, this, uh, an, an amendment to the motion that would state that uh, Drew bring the short list back in with ranking. Do I have second? I'll, yeah, I'll second that motion. Okay. Let's, gonna, let's go ahead and vote on that then. Okay. Uh, does there, is everybody clear on that motion? Yeah. That that requires yes. that will be bringing back a ranking from Drew, and we'll go from there. Okay. All those in favor of a ranking? Aye. Aye. Any opposed? Aye. No. Okay. That passes seven to one with one recusal. Um, okay. I think that actually takes place. We don't need to go to the. Do we need to go to the original amendment on this now? No. Yeah. As a motion, as amended. We we voted on the motion we as amended. No, we voted on the amendment. We bifurcated it, and we voted on A, and then we voted on B. So is there anything right. left to vote on? We just voted on the amendment. So, on we voted on, the, on her amendment. amendment. Uh, so, uh, yeah, so, so you moved the amendment. The now we now we'll the move the motion as amended. Right. Okay. Uh, all those in favor? We already have a motion and a second. All those in favor of the motion as amended, say aye. 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 All those opposed? No. I oppose. Stay. You're voting against that? Yes. Let's, let's have some. I think we need to clarify, because I think you. No, I, 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 I'm. Even with the ranking, we still have time as a constraint in my mind, uh, and, and and the other part of it is this: when you come back like that, you're not able to move folks from one team to the next. Uh, you're constrained to what is presented to you, and I want our attorney to have the ability to be able to move team uh, firms around to match the team that he really wants to select okay i'm going to do i'm going to take that vote again that i'm going to we're going to vote on the but he would be in my i agree with that but in my opinion he's able to do that because Prior it's going to, to come back to uh, it's going to come back to us on january as right. i understand this on january 9th we're going to have that which is our next meeting we're going to have an agenda item with who drew ranks as the top team and then the second and third team with a contract in place ready to go and vote on and if there's any changes between team, I don't even know what the nine teams are right now, but these nine teams well, could be however many teams there are. Okay. So seeing that, that's, I think that's, that right. that's clarified. That's what I support. All those in favor, say aye. 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 All those opposed? 
Okay, that passes seven to one and abstained. Okay, we have a time certain. We're, I think that completes that. Um, we're now going to go to the time certain item 84, and that is. This is a motion to approve partial waiver of deed restriction having to do with the Miramar Regional Park. And. You have speakers? We do have speakers. Okay. And Mayor Messon, is he in the house? Okay. Mayor Messon, please come on, come on up. You only have one? Welcome. Welcome. Thank you. Good morning, Mayor Furr, and congratulations um, you. to yourself and Vice Mayor Bogan, and as well to the Honorable um, Broward County Board of Commissioners. Um, thank you for allowing us to come forward today on a very important item for the city of Miramar. Um, it's a very happy day in the city of Miramar with the prospects of the American Tennis Association to relocate its headquarters to the city of Miramar. And we, as a city along with the county, um, have considered ourselves um, not only friends with Broward County, but strategic partners. And when you think about the numerous of Fortune 500 companies that the city of Miramar now calls home because of our partnership with Broward County, employing um, thousands of um, Broward County residents, um, we appreciate um, that partnership. Um, in addition, we also appreciate the partnership as it relates to infrastructure when the city of Miramar is working very hard to ensure that our city as well as Broward County is resilient. Um, and we, only, we also stood together to oppose the current oil drilling application that's um, pending right now in the appellate process. But today, we are here because we need your help. We need your help to approve the deed restriction waiver for the Miramar Regional Park um, to allow the proposed ATA development to take place. The reason why we need this waiver is to erase any cloud um, of doubt in regards to um, any technical interpretations or legal um, interpretations as it relates to the existing deed restriction so that this, so this project can move forward. The city of Miramar has been, in our opinion, great stewards of the regional park since it's been transferred to our city. Um, we have developed that park to a very vibrant, active park, not only that is enjoyed by our residents, but by Broward County residents and visitors from around the world with the recent uh, completion with our um, amphitheater, which, by the way, in the last two weeks has hosted nearly 5,000 Broward students to be exposed to aviation, as well as to um, expand their development in leadership and anti-bully activity that we, we partnered with Broward County Schools. So as you can see, Regional Park is very active. Um, with the ATA, ATA is no stranger to Broward County. Um, it has held at least six of its national tournaments right here in Broward County um, with an economic impact um, ex exceeding over $2 million in just a week of activity when they do have their national national tournaments here. So the prospects of bringing such a established organizations like the ATA to the city of Miramar further partners with Broward County with its desires and goals and mission to expand sports tourism 
and multicultural tourism out to the sawgrass. We hear the CVB talk about expanding tourism from the seagrass to the sawgrass. And Miramar sees ourselves as strategic partners with Broward County to make this take place. So we have one major hurdle that we would like to remove. And with the pleasure and hopefully with the decision of this um, board that we would hear all the information, allow um, this item that has been brought forward by um, our very own district commissioner, Barbara Sharif, um, for approval. Our staff is here um, to um, answer any questions as well. And finally, before I take my seat, you know, oftentimes as elected bodies, we have entities that wish to do whatever activities in our communities. And oftentimes that comes with um, a big hand, um, asking for financial resources. And um, after two years of vetting the lease agreement, this lease agreement has ensured, has been vetted to ensure that there are deliverables, timetables in place to ensure a successful development while taking into the interests of the public, while protecting the interests of the public. And um, we are just happy that the ATA has put forward a very strong proposal um, that not only will expand tourism, but it will offer high performance tennis to Broward County residents and will allow our residents as well as Broward County residents who wish to advance tennis as well as to bring tourism to this city. It's a win-win not only for the city of Miramar, but it's a win-win for Broward County. Thank you so much for Thank you your so much, Mayor. consideration so much. And we'll address any questions as they may arrive. Great. Thank you. Thank you so much. I'm going to recognize Commissioner Sharif. Thank you, Mayor. Um, on this item, I just wanted to make sure that my colleagues knew that this has been going on for quite some time now. Uh, we first started in 2015 with the uh, prospect of actually having the ATA here in Broward County somewhere. 2016, it started to shape, um, take its shape and form, and uh, we realized that um, we were going to need some substantial commitments from the ATA as well as some community resources. At that time, I did place an item on the agenda, and um, this particular project received a 9-0 vote for $500,000 from the Tourist Development Tax, um, as well as uh, support from the Convention and Visitors Bureau because it will put heads in beds. Um, in order for this project to proceed and go forward, we really do need to grant a, um, a deed restriction a waiver as well as um, you know give them the type of support that they need in terms of uh, um, resources from our CVB, um, not necessarily additional funding, but just um, to continue to have our CVB committed and interacting with them and giving them the opportunities that they need. Um, I, I am um, hoping that we can get unanimous support again for this project. And with that, Mayor, I'm going to turn it over to my colleagues and yourself. Okay. Thank you. Commissioner Lamarca, then Commissioner Ryan. Thank you, Mayor. I see this. Uh, if, if I might ask uh, Mayor Messam to come back up. Mayor Messam, could you come back for questions, please? I see the fiscal impact of this is, is none. Um, and we've already had the tough vote uh, as far as our support. Um, the, you know, I see this as not only adding uh, a large format of tennis to our, to our county, but adding a large format of tennis and opportunity for tennis for kids that may not be able to, uh, to access courts and access uh, a, a you know, world-class facility like this. 
and obviously some of our after-school programs, uh, Children's Services Council, different different uh, entities that that have our kids in their hands uh, after school. Um, I would hope that that would be something that would be welcomed at the at the center. Um, so I have a really easy question for you. The first one is uh, happy anniversary. Thank you. Uh, and the second one, the second one is just for my my sometimes uninformed colleagues up here, at least a couple of them anyway. Um, who is the best uh, football school in the state of Florida? Well, <laughs> <laughs> and where and where well, did you go? Well, as you know, I You're believe Garnet and Gold, and um, <laughs> and even at the expense of perhaps um, being to the disagreement of those who we really depend on their vote, I, I must say Florida State University. Thank you. Okay, great. Thank you. Okay. That was a setup. That was a huge mistake, Mayor. Yeah. You've got half the Gators over here. Chris yeah. Ryan. Yes. Um, Mayor, uh, we have a two-part motion here. First is to waive the deed restriction, and and I see that there is um, a statement in our backup that um, the city of Miramar has stated that the bond funds of $3 million that were expended from that uh, 2000 uh, park bonds program have been utilized already in some area of the park that is separated from the area where the American Tennis Association facilities will be? Yes. Um, the park, as you know, when it deeded over to the, the county, there was, most, there was two phases to develop the park. Phase one was our west ball fields, and those funds were used um, on that side of the park, which is totally separate from the proposed site um, for the ATA project, which um, was completed in the second phase. The um, interlocal agreement between the city of Miramar and Broward County from um, December in 2002 stated that the county would reimburse the city for up to approximately $15 million in uh, park improvements. And it uh, looks like from the backup that uh, approximately $12.9 million was reimbursed to the city. Um, I believe that some of that area is is um, going to be utilized by the American Tennis Association. If you have uh, revenue generated from either the museum or the hotel, uh, is any of that revenue uh, going to be paid over to the city of Miramar? In terms of the, the lease agreement? Yes. What I'll do is I'll um, ask our attorneys to come forward to explain just high level in terms of the, the, the park, in terms of the, uh, the agreement. It is a land lease um, agreement um, for, the, for the ATA. Um, there are, um, there's a proposed as well, a proposed um, hotel component that has some revenue, um, um, uh, some lease terms in terms of uh, minimum lease payments that should, um, that would be coming uh, due to the city of Miramar. So right. if there's a sp more specific question regarding the, the revenue share, um, you, if you can ask that and then if, if I can ask, answer it, I'll have our attorneys come forward. All right. So, you know, to the county attorney, I know that in Miami-Dade County there was um, this issue with regard to uh, the, the tennis, uh, that the professional tennis that's played down there and, and questions about a deed restriction, I think it was over in Key Biscayne. And um, I, it seemed to be um, recognized that that was not a park purpose for um, the, uh, the tennis tournaments. So um, with that in mind, if in fact... Um, you're operating in an area where we have expended funds with a specific purpose for park purposes here, I would think that 
if, if revenue is being generated, the county should be reimbursed for, for, that, for that amount of money. Now, that's apparently different than the $3 million that was paid from the, uh, the, from the bond program for safe parks, but um, is that a, a legal requirement that that park money expended for park funds should be reimbursed to the county if it's used for a non-park purpose? I, I believe that there is a requirement with regard to the park bond funds, and I believe that there is not an issue regarding the bond funds uh, with regard to whether the county should uh, share in any revenue that's generated. I'm not aware of a legal requirement. I would like to think about that a little more, but certainly uh, it is a business point that would, would seem to be something that could be raised. All right. Thank you. Commissioner Yudin. I was going to ask... Uh, I'm supportive of this. I was going to ask the county attorney, so you're comfortable with bond council in that none of the bond funds, because they spent it in another area, doesn't put the bond issuance at risk? Yes, we've, we've edited it uh, internally, and uh, I think Ms. Ashton is in here somewhere. Uh, but uh, maybe I'll have her come up for one second, but my understanding is that we've vetted it and that we were fine on the okay. bond side of it, that the, the one impediment from the county side is this deed restriction, the use restriction, uh, which is proposed to be addressed today. In addition to the, the, the revenue portion, just for, for clarity, $15 million was used in, the, in another phase of the project does not include uh, with the location of where the ATA is, just for, clar for, clar for clarification. Uh, the only other thing I would add is when this comes for a motion, I, I just want I mean, we, you need to make sure that the legal description is actually buttoned up by the surveyors because we can't record a picture. So yes. when it comes to that, when there's a motion, I, I will be supportive. You're, you're finished? Yes. Okay. Commissioner Holness. Yes. Uh, this has been a long time in the making. Uh, actually, the conversation started even before 2015. Uh, there was some consideration uh, for this to be located in Lord Hill at an early stage, uh, much earlier than 2015. It didn't move. Uh, we didn't have the land space uh, to accommodate it. Uh, I'm grateful to see that we're where we are with it. Uh, it is an opportunity for us to move some tourism to the western part of Broward County uh, and, and, and also to bring in an organization that's been around for a very, very long time that has tremendous amount of credibility and, and have worked diligently to get us to where we are. So I'm totally in support of uh, moving this item forward. Mayor, if I may make a further inquiry. I just, I just want to clarify. Um, so in the museum and related facilities, um, if you charge an entrance fee, uh, there's not going to be any kind of um, additional charge for, say, uh, county residents versus discounts for city residents. If I could have our, um, or I have our staff or representatives to come forward to speak, those are specific terms in regards to the lease, the lease agreement. Right, and the idea being. Um, if, if the county were to release the deed restriction, we would, you know, treat this facility as one of regional importance. And so the question is, do you plan to charge any uh, uh, different expense 
for the residents of the city of Miramar versus all Broward County residents? No. Vernon Hargrave, V Square consultant here. I'm warning the uh, assistant city managers originally with this project assigned to it from the beginning. Uh, there's no intent of having a, a different fee for our residents versus non-residents. This is a regional park and it's for everyone. And that would include the museum and any of the related facilities that are, uh, you know, part of this discussion here this morning. That's, that's correct. That's correct. Okay. Mayor. Okay. Yeah, I just have one question um, because I understand obviously the need for the, you know, the waiver of the deed restriction, but I'm wondering how the, the other themes, things other than the hotel seem to fit in to park usage. So how does the hotel, how, maybe you could answer this, uh, uh, Drew, about how, how does the hotel fit into that as far as being eligible, you know, to be on the park because there was the bond issue and so forth? Senator, I don't believe that the bond issue remains an issue because I, I think that funds weren't used with regard to the property that we'd be releasing the, the restriction. Uh, and the reason we're re requiring uh, here a release of the restriction is because we do not believe that the hotel fits within the park use provision. There might have been, and, and Ms. Ashton's here and knows uh, additional specifics, there might have been other elements of the project uh, that also would not fit neatly within a park use, and that's what the waiver is covering. We, we do not believe those are park uses. So, so the hotel then becomes a part of the restriction? The, the right, right now, all of the property that was deeded, essentially the park, has a use restriction that says if any of it is not used for park use, I believe it reverts back to the county, we would be uh, doing a partial release of that restriction to allow certain portions to be used for non-park purposes. Okay, thank you. Okay, Mr. Shreve. Okay, thank you. So just to close, and part of the reason why the hotel is necessary in terms of, of this particular project is because while we are um, building a facility that is different than what's normally there, we are also going to be bringing in people that are normal, no, not normal to that environment, which are the celebrities and the athletes that are going to be playing at that facility. And we are trying to make this as uh, convenient as possible to keep them on property and to have a big, as big a draw, draw as possible. And so that's why the, the, the hotel project makes sense in terms of this project. At this time, Mayor, since there's nobody else signed up to speak, can I please make a motion to approve this? I'll take it. Okay, we have a motion and a second. All those in favor, say aye. 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 Any opposed? But we're, but we're adding the what I mentioned with the county attorney buttoning up the... Yes, okay. the legal description will be buttoned up. Thank okay. you. Okay. With the, button, with the buttons. With the buttons. With the buttons. No, no gators. No gators. No gators. <laughs> okay. Thank you, Mayor. That, that passed unanimously, and thank you, thank you, Mayor, for being here today. Thank, thank you. you all. Okay. Okay, with that, we're, we have a number of items still. We have about a half hour to go, so we're going to try to get through this. Next item is number 75. This is a motion to approve the final ranking of the qualified firms. Um, and we have a lot of people to speak on this. Let give everybody, let's see how many this is. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, sixteen, seventeen, eighteen, nineteen, twenty, twenty-one, twenty-two, twenty-three
six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven. That brings us right up to. Can you do two minutes? I'm definitely doing two minutes. Okay. Um, Okay, we have, we have 11 speakers. Um, if you are going to be simply saying something that somebody else has already said, uh, maybe you can wave. But with that, I'm going to start with Jeffrey Delisle. Everybody will have two minutes to speak. And Jeffrey. After that would be Mike Gellin and Shaheem Jarrett. Okay. Good morning. My name is Jeff Delisle. I'm a senior consultant for Bolton Partners Incorporated. My office is uh, and my residences in Boca Raton, Florida. Uh, I come to ask the Commission to consider changing the ranking of uh, item number 75 on the agenda. And the reason being is, quite frankly, uh, the, all the proposers are qualified objectively. But the nature of the remaining part of the evaluation is subjective. And we believe that we have material benefit to the uh, Commission in partnering as a joint venture with Gillian and Mr. Gillian, Mike Gillian will uh, respond to his uh, portion of this. But in, in re with respect to that material difference that is a positive for Broward County, uh, we have offered a proposal that is uh, 60, over $60,000 less than the fiscal impact that was set of 167. Uh, we have experience of delivering our uh, consulting on time and on budget. The, we're offering a data warehousing from uh, John Hopkins ACG, which is an improvement to the current data um, warehouse system, that, uh, and it will monitor healthcare costs, claim patterns, utilization of organizational and individual patient levels, which will allow the county to uh, customize programs to assist employees in improving their health care and decision patterns and lifestyle. And the last thing is uh, I've met a number of you before the cone of silence, and one of the things that we added in, it's not part of the uh, RFP, we think it should have been, but it wasn't, but we're willing to do is offer to the county a dependent eligibility verification office on a, uh, um, audit on a contingency basis because as far as we could tell, and as far as the commissioners we spoke with could tell, there's never been or hasn't been recently a dependent eligibility verification audit. Thank you, Mr. Dillon. Okay, thank you. Okay. Next, Mike Gellin. And then Shaheem Jarrett. Jer uh, good afternoon, Mr. Shaheem Mayor, Vice Mayor, and County Commission. Uh, my name is Mike Gellin, President of the Gellin Benefits Group. Uh, we are headquartered in Miramar, Florida. We have an office in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. And I have about 15 years of experience working in the employee benefits consulting field for the largest and most respected firms in the world, including uh, Marshall McLennan and Aon Consulting. Uh, prior to starting the firm, um, I last worked as a vice president at CBIS Benefits and Insurance Services. Uh, and I also hold a certified employee benefits specialist designation, which is the highest designation uh, in the field of employee benefits, the educational content coming from the Wharton School of the University of Pennsylvania. Uh, so in 2015, I started the firm um, because I had some loyal clients that we provide, provide a high level of service with. They decided to help me in starting the firm. Uh, we are certified as a CBE with Broward County and also with Broward Health, Broward College, the South Florida Water Management District, and other agencies. 
Uh, we're certified as a minority vendor with uh, the State of Florida Office of Supply Diversity, Hillsborough County, and the City of Tampa. Uh, but these certifications are meaningless if there's not real opportunities. And what we're looking for is just a real opportunity with uh, Broward County. And we thought we had one, uh, but unfortunately, we were being penalized because there wasn't more than one firm that was qualified to do the work. Um, uh, we do have a quality firm combined. We have over 50 years of experience. And then we also partner with Bolton Partners uh, to provide additional resources that the county may need. Uh, we think the county should take note that uh, the, the current county CFO and the person that's most experienced and has the most uh, expertise in the field work with employee benefits, uh, Kevin Kelleher, he ranked us, our firm, the highest of, uh, of the three firms, including the two publicly traded firms uh, that also bid. And so he understands that we have the ability to meet all the, all the services provided uh, within the RFP. Um, so we're appealing to the commission uh, to do what the code allows, promote your small businesses, uh, and potentially hear presentations and re-rank the firms as you uh, best see fit. Uh, and then, of course, we're also open to uh, creative solutions to ensure meaningful uh, CBE participation. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Gillen. Shahiwa, Jarrett, did I say it right this time? Yes, you okay. did. Thank you. Thank <laughs> okay. you, Mayor, uh, Commissioners. I'm pleased to be yeah. here as Mike uh, spoke about uh, the experience and expertise of the firm. I wanted to talk about um, the importance of supporting small businesses oh. here in the county. You all have uh, expressed your desire to do that, and we're here to ask you to, to honor that commitment. We are extremely uh, passionate about what we do. We believe in providing our clients with the best uh, service so that we can acquire the best benefits at a cost-effective uh, rate. In supporting your small business here, we are, small businesses are the economic engine in the community, and as we grow, we will hire additional staff and grow our presence and imprint here in the county. As uh, Mike mentioned uh, previously, we are headquartered in Miramar, Florida, but we have an office in uh, Fort Lauderdale, and we intend uh, to grow. We're local, and I think that's important. That means besides being a business and trying to uh, provide for our, our clients, we also care about the community in which we live. Um, both Mike and I graduated from Plantation High School. We went away uh, to college. I happened to attend Florida State uh, University and the University of Miami for law school. <laughs> uh, so I kind of straddle both ends. But um, we came back. We came back because we cared. And we are active. So we're not just active in the business community, but in serving our community. Mike has served on the Board of Directors for the Life Net for Families and currently serves on the Board of Directors for the Center for Independent Living here in Broward County. I uh, started my own nonprofit here in 2005 on which we mentor and provide um, a speaker series to local middle schools and um, parks, and we also provide uh, scholarships. Uh, we have provided over $25,000 worth of scholarships, and we're hoping to do that um, again this year. I've served as a vice president of League of Women Voters here in the county, as well as the, um, on the board of directors for the Make-A-Wish Foundation of Southern Florida. So we, I ask that you vote um, to not approve uh, the item agenda 75 today. Thank you, Sheila. Nick Matthews and then Bernie Friedman. Good afternoon, Mayor and uh, Commission. Um, Nick Matthews with Becker Polikoff on behalf of the Gellin Benefits Group. Um, with item 75, I think there's an important piece about the process that needs to, to be discussed. All the way back to early of uh, this year, this RFP has gone through the commission to approve it. 
It's been released. It's gone through question and answers. It's gone through a closing date, RFP submittals, evaluation committees, and all that, under the premise that no CB participation was required. That uh, determination was made by in an April memo that just this morning has been corrected. That determination had been reliant on the wrong area of Broward County Code, saying that it's an area of the code that deals with reserve contracts, where I believe the county would attempt to dedicate an entire project or an entire contract for a CBE company to, to do all of that work. Just today, um, your staff corrected the, the record and said, no, there's a piece of the administrative code that says specifically there has to be two firms that could potentially do the work listed in the CBE registry. There has been two firms with the proper NASICS codes in the CBE registry all along. But just now, we are kind of figuring out which part of the code is relevant to determine that. And if you look at the code that we are now saying is the appropriate code to determine no goal is necessary, it only asks that there be at least two in the registry. It doesn't say staff needs to call them and personally ask them how much of the project they can do or how much they're interested in or how much they would charge. It doesn't say any of that. It simply says there needs to be two in the registry to set a goal and a procurement. So if we are now going back and recognizing the proper uh, area of code that kind of dictates policy here, let's go back and also apply that proper, let's apply it properly and say there's two firms that identify in this industry in the, in the registry and therefore implement some sort of a goal or a requirement and we're here to encourage you to think uh, outside the box and find a way to ensure that whoever is approved here has some sort of CV participation in this contract and that's what we would uh, ask you to do. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Matthews. Mr. Friedman. Thank you, Bernie Friedman. Uh, Bernie Friedman representing Gillen uh, Benefit Group. Couple of very quick points. First of all, CBE participation is an important policy that has been embraced by this county commission over and over again. It's important because it provides access, empowerment, mentorship, and ultimately many of my CBE clients have actually graduated from the program and are now doing work as primes on many programs. So it's a critically important program. Commissioner Bogan actually uh, uh, proposed some amendments to it recently that are great amendments. Second of all, there is a question of the code provisions. There's a code provision 1-81 that talks about CBEs in reserve RFPs. This is not a reserve RFP. The administrative code in section 19 talks about two firms being on a list. It's irrefutable. There were two firms on a list. So clearly there should have been a CBE requirement to this RFP. John, Commissioner John Rodstrom many years ago was the one that changed the code because there were multiple bond deals going on and there was only one firm that was eligible and there were a whole series of bond deals and that one firm was getting every single one of them. The facts here have nothing to do with that and clearly this this is not multiple deals. There should have been a CBE requirement. Third, why punish the one CBE firm that spoke earlier, that played by the rules, that has worked so hard in this community, that has established roots in Miramar, that has done all this great work, that has an expectation and a reliance to have a CBE requirement? Why punish that one firm? That's unfair. We need to fix it. Finally, I urge you to think out of the box. There are many creative ways. You might even have to waive your procurement code to fix this. You could always reject all bids. 
by supermajority. You could hear presentations, but we hope that you somehow fix this and take care of that one CBE firm that played by the rules, that is really working hard in this community, and someday we hope we'll graduate from the CBE program and be back here uh, as a graduate. So thank you very much, and we look forward to working with you. Thank you, Mr. Friedman. Um, Ms. Crow, and then Mr. Hebert. Yeah, that's fine. Good afternoon, Mayor, Vice Mayor, and Commissioners. As we discussed during the evaluation committee meeting, the number one ranked firm for the employee benefit services was recently sold and ultimately the awardee, excuse me? Oh, sorry, Barbara Crow Gallagher Benefit Services? Paul Hebert Gallagher Benefit Services. Okay. And as was pointed out by the county attorney, the selection committee um, through the county would have to go through a full vetting process to vet out the firm that was not participating during that RFP process. That firm has purchased Wells Fargo, which is the current consulting firm. Should you have any reservations about awarding a contract of this size and significance to this entity that has not been vetted, we would be happy to discuss our services and capability through a presentation. Our local stable team, who has also has several residents of Broward County, has representatives some of the largest governmental entities, both Miami-Dade County, Palm Beach County, and the school board for significantly over 10 years. We have a public entity niche as well as a well-established team within this niche. Many of our team members have worked for Gallagher Benefit Services well exceeding 17 to 20 years, specifically in the public entity arena. We are the second-ranked firm and would like your consideration to reject Wells Fargo and or USI, which is an unvetted firm, and appoint Gallagher Benefit Services as your consultant. We thank you again and look forward to your consideration. Thank you very thank much. You. Next speaker, George Platt, followed by Seth Platt. Good afternoon, George Platt. On behalf of my client, USI Insurance Services, um, the company that uh, recently acquired Wells Fargo, who's been your provider for 15 years and done an outstanding job by everybody's account. Um, the selection committee did actually hear presentations from these shortlisted firms. Uh, they voted um, strong recommendation that USI be considered. There was no three-day letter raising new information. There was no protest. Uh, I worry, I hope you worry too, that if you want to have every Tuesday people getting up here and second-guessing the selection committee, not based upon any real legal basis, but just upon the fact that they're going to say they're better than the next guy. Uh, Gellin wrote his letter uh, talking about, gee, uh, you didn't consider the CBEs, but, you know, Geller, Gellin proposed as a prime, <laughs> not you. Gillen proposed as a prime. They're in the process. They weren't excluded from the process. They managed a way to get 51% of a proposal, and they did pretty well. But they're a new company. They were just recently formed. This is a very important service for your county, and I hope that you will give credibility to the process that you create with the procurement code, a procurement process. We have a team that is stable, that's been here, that includes... Senior Vice President Susan White, the lead consultant, 
Catherine Pritchett, the account executive, James Byrne, the financial analyst, Melissa Tucker, the wellness associate, Michael Shank, compliance attorney, Nick Allen, the actuary, and Doug Beller, the managing director. This is a great team. Uh, They're wonderful, trusted extension of your benefits people. Uh, this process worked the way it's supposed to work. I ask you to, to approve the ranking and allow this process to go forward as it should. Uh, and uh, and you really don't want to start inviting this. It will provide more work for me, but it's really not the way you want <laughs> Thank to Thank you, go. Mr. Platt. Uh, next, Mr. Platt. Good morning, Mayor, Vice Mayor, Commissioners. Seth Platt uh, for LSM Partners on behalf of USI Insurance Services. Um, you know, Gallagher did not procedurally oppose this award in the letter they filed to purchasing or ask that you overturn the recommendation of award in accordance with your procedures. And the third place team of Gallon Benefits did ask that you award the contract to them based largely on the merit that they brought a CBE component to this procurement. And that's an argument lacking merit to vault them in the first place. Uh, county staff did a great job contesting some of the procedural issues raised relative to the county's requirement to assign CBE percentages. But let me pose a business case scenario to you on why this is good public policy. If the board agreed that it was appropriate policy to assign a CBE percentage when only one firm is available in the market, it would force prime contractors to hire the sole subcontractor regardless of their competence or risk being found irresponsible. And what if that one CBE vendor went exclusive with one company? giving that team a strategic advantage over all of the proposers? Or what if they proposed as a prime and were evaluated in comparison to the other proposers? This is indeed what happened. So arguments that the county should have assigned a CBE percentage are irrelevant as Gallen proposed with a strong subcontractor on their team and came in third place, leaving them with no standing to oppose this award. You know, competition is a cornerstone of the principles of capitalism, and it is reasonable public policy and good business sense that when there is insufficient capacity in the CBE directory, that there be no CBE goal forced upon proposers. Relative to the company's acquisition, many of you have seen this before. In fact, LSN represented a company that was twice acquired during the procurement process, and they were still granted award. In today's business climate, companies are acquired all the time, and your staff has always had the presence of mind to vet these situations in an appropriate manner according to their procedures. We ask that you approve staff's recommendation. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Platt. Ernest Newborn and then Susan White, and that will conclude our speakers. Uh, good afternoon, Mr. Mayor, Vice Mayor, Honorable Commissioners. My name is Ernest Newborn. I'm the General Counsel of USI. USI is the third um, largest privately held insurance broker in the world, the 10th uh, largest insurance broker generally in the world. Uh, we're based in Valhalla, New York. I flew down here this morning um, at the request of uh, uh, Susan and Catherine to uh, be available to you to the extent that you had any questions about our transaction and how it might be relevant to um, the issues before you today. Um, in the interest of time, I'll be really short. Um, USI acquired the stock of Wells Fargo Insurance Services, an ongoing concern. Um, the only thing that has changed is the shareholder that owns the stock. And um, the team it remains in place. Uh, we bought a company, um, paid a lot of money for a company that was a fine company with an excellent reputation, an excellent history. 
and it's no surprise to me that, um, that they scored uh, better than uh, their competitors. Um, but um, I'm here to answer any questions you might have to the extent that our transaction um, that uh, where we signed a definitive agreement back in June, we closed the transaction on November 30th. And um, as I said, we bought the legal entity and the day after the transaction closed, we changed the legal entity because we did not buy the Wells Fargo brand. Um, and the legal entity now is called USI Insurance Services National Inc. Uh, that will do business under USI. But the team, the organization, everything you relied upon um, in the, uh, to make the initial determination is still true. And I'm available to answer any questions you might have to the extent that it's relevant to your determinations. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And I see, Susan, you're here for questions only, correct? Here, we're in a little bit of a dilemma here because we have a legislative luncheon that's going to start at 1230. My suggestion is we put this on the table. We do have a number of people from the airport. We could get in. We could we could listen to a few of them real quick. That way, we've heard all the public speakers. We come back at four o'clock. We finish up. Is everybody okay? Whenever, whenever the whatever time after the workshops are over. Is everybody okay with that? Okay. With that, I need a motion to put this on the table. Right. Okay. Do we have a do I have a second? Okay. All those in favor of putting this on the table? Aye. Any opposed? Okay. We'll 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 come back to this around. When we, when we, after we finish the transportation workshop. And w with that, I'm going to go to item 75. No, I'm sorry. 79, thank you. And if, if there's a chance, we're gonna try to listen to all the speakers real quick and then we'll come back to this as well. This is a motion to discuss, but I wanna make sure that you all have a chance to be heard and that you don't have to come back five hour, four or five hours later. So I'm going to start, Helene O'Brien. If you all can consolidate your, your thoughts and what you want to say, that would be helpful as well. I'm going to start with Helene O'Brien. Helene. Thank you for giving okay. us the time. Appreciate it. Um, my name is Helene O'Brien. I'm the director for Florida SEIU 32BJ. My address is 1313. Northwest 36, Miami, Florida, 33142. Um, we are the union that organizes, represents, and assists airport workers in Fort Lauderdale, Miami, and actually other airports in the state as well. Um, in three weeks, it will be one year from the January 6th shooting at Fort Lauderdale Airport. And we are ha here to ask the county to act, to take some steps that can make the, the airport safer. There are 2,000 workers at Fort Lauderdale who work for passenger service companies that have contracts with airlines. And these workers receive little to no training, most of them. They watch a, a, apparently a very effective 15-minute video made by this county when they get their badge. And that is the extent of the training that they receive from their employers. This is crazy. We all saw what happened yesterday. We've seen what's been continuing to happen around the country and around the world. And we believe that the these workers need an extra level of training. Um, and so we are here today uh, to request the county introduce um, some proposals. One, we, require, we think that workers should be required to receive a certain amount of training every year on what to do in a situation such as it happened on January 6th of last year. Two, we believe there needs to be higher screening criteria for the companies that are getting permits to do business in this airport. There's dozens of them. You don't even see you have no appro no approval, there's no transparency on what they do, on their requirements, any of that. 
Um, and then three, we believe that um, there needs to be a greater transparency and accountability of the, a, a greater, higher level of, of training um, and standards for those companies. Um, it's not about curriculum. We're not here to debate that. It's not about uh, any of that. It's simply to make sure that when someone is pushing someone in a wheelchair, they know what to do if there's an active shooter situation. Thank you. Thank you, Eileen. Theodis Presley, please. What? Okay. John McDuffie. My name is John McDuffie. I'm with uh, I'm the managing partner of On-Scene Emergency Management Solutions, and we're out of Los Angeles. We help airports and critical infrastructure all over the country, LAX, Logan, Denver, and now we're working also with SEIU here in Fort Lauderdale with trying to provide that training that we find is so important at these airports. Any, any place there's critical infrastructure, this type of training is important. The failure to provide even basic emergency response training to those who interact with passengers is the most, who interact with passengers the most is a serious public safety, customer service, and risk management issue for the aviation industry at large in Fort Lauderdale Airport specifically. Uh, keep going, keep going. What, what I really want to reinforce is that it, it's common sense, it's good business sense to have these people trained. We work hard at training our public, uh, uh, public safety individuals at 30,000 feet, getting gra grass level folks who serve customers day in and day out is very important, as well as making sure that the certified providers are trained and ready to provide this type of training to the employees. Thank you very much. Great. Thank you, John. Next speaker is Theodis Presley. John, did you get the shaving cream? Good afternoon. My name is Gulder Gayrus. I work at the Fort Lauderdale Airport as a wheelchair attendant. Um, Last January, um, last, last January shooting was a horrible experience for people here at the airport. Many of us still feel nervous when we're going to work. Five people were killed and eight people were injured due to the uh, incident at the airport. So at the time of the, the incident, um, I was pushing a, a wheelchair passenger in a wheelchair, and all of a sudden the, the chaos erupted. And, uh, what comes to mind is run for cover, but that, that was also my responsibility to take care of that passenger. I couldn't run and leave him unattended, so I had to run with it, slow him down, but that's the first thing to do. That's your responsibility, the wheelchair. That's your parents, my parents, and all, and all in, 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 in case. But that is the reason why we're here today to have a proper um, training, because some people may, might think our job is not important, at the airport, but we are the first one to see and the last one to leave the, uh, when we come, your parents come to, to the airport in the wheelchairs. So therefore, we need a proper training and to know when the situation presents itself, to know what to do, where to go, the, the, the exit. Thank you, Kedere. Thank you very Thank much. Meji uh, Bizane? Okay. Um, Arnold or Theodos? Finally, it's Theodos. There you are. Okay. Yes, finally, Theodos. Okay. Yes, good Theodos. afternoon. As you know, I worked for the um, airline for more than a decade as wheelchair attendants. I was at the airport on January when this incident happened. <clears throat> like most people, we did not know what to do. Everybody, it was a bunch of chaos. Everybody was running and screaming and did not know where to go. After this mass, after this attack had happened, 32 BJ SCIU, 
that represent the um, the workers at the airport came out and talked to the workers in reference to what they was trained to do in case of emergency. They did. They did not know what to do. And I'm afraid if this would happen today, we still wouldn't know what to do without proper training. We're asking you. Um, that's why I took a part of this campaign, uh, the airport safety campaign. Um, we ask you to, um, we need mandate paid training for our employees so we, if this should ever happen again, we'll know where to go and what to do. It was great for you commission to give us the living wages, but we need more. We need to know what to do in case of emergency. We're asking you to act on this now and get proper training for the workers and so we'll know what to do when this incident shall ever happen again. And I assure you, if it does not happen here, it will happen somewhere else, just like in New York as yesterday and everywhere else. Thank, Thank you, Mr. You. Presley. And our last speaker is Arnold Freeman. He had a good word. Okay. Um, what we're going to do is we're going to reconvene after the transportation workshop to, to further discuss this, but I wanted to make sure you all had a chance to be heard. Uh, with that, we're going to... Um, go to our workshop in room 430 in room 430.